Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast show, a podcast that helps foster respect through inclusion, service, and equity. This is episode five with Linda Harvey on finding your voice as a leader. Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast. This is Stacey Hegarty. I'm the Global Director of Equity and Inclusion for Envision Rise. Joining me today is Linda Harvey from Global Core Strategies and Consulting. Thanks for joining us today, Linda. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Stacy, And thank you for the invitation to join you this afternoon. I'm so glad you said yes. This is going to be a great conversation. You've had a really interesting career, and I want to give you a chance to talk about that a little bit. So tell me, first of all, what are you doing now? What's your career now? And then we'll go back and talk about how you got there. Yes, thank you. Well, I am the president of Global Core Strategies and Consulting. We are a leadership company based here in South Carolina, where we help you create a winning culture. So that's what I'm doing now since I've retired from the military. All right, let's talk military because you've had probably one of the most interesting military careers of anybody that I know personally. (laughs) So tell me, how did that happen? Did you go right out of high school? Did you go right out of college? What made you decide to make a career in the military first? Yes, actually, I went right out of college, you know, back up a little bit to high school. You know, I was all into the books and the academics, not very athletic. So I was in all of the organizations and clubs, such as the Future Business Leaders of America, FHA, Student Council. So held various leadership positions in those organizations. And then I got an academic scholarship to Benedict College here in Columbia, South Carolina. And I took an ROTC class and I did that because my cousin had been taking ROTC. And every time she came home to visit, she would mention ROTC and all the things that she was doing. So I figured, hey, once I got there, I was going to give it a try. And that's what I did. And it ended up being my second family, joined the drill team and the color guards and my family and friends back home couldn't believe it because it's like, what? (laughs) You're in ROTC. You didn't even wear sneakers back in high school. (laughs) So, you know, here I am running around campus and through the communities and marching. So it was a big shock for everyone, but I really enjoyed it and ended up that first year in college, I was contacted by an Army Reserves recruiter and I didn't have a job at the time. So I figured this would be a good way to earn some money part time, you know, while I was in college. And so I did that. And my first summer, I went to basic training at Fort Jackson. And then I could always remember thinking, what? Did I get myself into <laughs> uh, with my family and friends enjoying my family vacation? But no, I decided to join the Army Reserves. And so there I was, that rucksack on my back, marching down those roads at Fort Jackson. Very hot summers there. And yes. Then, and then, you know, the following summer, I did the schooling for my job in the Army, and I did that at Fort Lee, Virginia. And basically kind of the same thing. So two summers back to back doing Army training. And so when I returned to college for my junior year, I had received a two-year ROTC scholarship. I was released from the Army Reserves because I couldn't hold two positions at the same time. They didn't have a slot for that. So I was strictly ROTC and I enjoyed that. And a few years later, I got commissioned. You know, I graduated and I was a second lieutenant in the military intelligence branch. I wasn't the first choice, but. (laughs) (laughs) So what was your first choice? It was human resources. It was AG, the Adjutant General's Corps. That's what I wanted because it kind of fell in line with what I did in the reserves. And so I figured, hey, I can be great to continue on in that, you know, that line. 
But, you know, the Army needed more military intelligence officers, you know, more than they needed AG, you know. Mm -hmm. So there I was heading to Fort Huachuca, Arizona to get trained for that job. And I was one of two Black females in the class at the time. And that was kind of typical of the MRI classes when I went through at least two of us in each class. So we became best buds and we're still friends to this day. But, you know, we made it through and graduated. And then I got sent off to my first duty assignment, which was at Schofield Barracks, Hawaii. Which was Not a cool. bad first assignment. <laughs> yes, it spoiled me. It spoiled me. Got there and I was assigned as the Battalion S-1. Had nothing to do with what I had just received training on. So I was the personnel officer for this unit of over 350 people, soldiers and civilians. And I enjoyed it. It was a great job. And, you know, I had my finger on the pulse of the organization. Had a great team who kept me out of trouble. You know, they told me, you go to the meetings, ma'am. We'll take care of everything else. We'll make sure. <laughs> but they taught me a lot. And I just fell in love with all things HR with that first assignment in Hawaii. And then one of my last assignments in Hawaii was as a company executive officer. And my commander was a female. She was a little older than the average company commanders at the time. And she was a triathlete. So she could run faster than some of the men in the unit. And so here I was with her second in charge. And running was, you know, not my favorite event. That's <laughs> my, you know, my physical test. But running was, you know, my least favorite. So every month we would have a company run. And so there the company was running and slowly but surely I would be a few steps behind and uh, (laughs) turn the company around to come back and pick me up. (laughs) You know, I appreciate that about her. You know, she never left me or any of her other soldiers behind. And that pushed me to want to do better and, you know, strengthen, get stronger in running. And before I left there, I made those runs. You know, they didn't have to me up. So, you know, but it was great. And, you know, having year round warm temperatures helped out a lot too. Um, mm-hmm. The weather was great. So you had no choice, but, to, you know, there was no excuse for not improving. <laughs> no excuse. <laughs> From there, I went on and a few years later, I was getting kind of burnt out with the staff jobs and my military intelligence. But I interviewed for a company command and I got it. I was rejuvenated. You know, I got a chance to lead a company and I didn't take that lightly. It was a huge responsibility. We don't have to sprint all the time. So I really appreciated that advice early on during my command because from then on, you know, I just ran my race and took care of them so that they had what they needed to do their jobs because my success depended on them being successful. Mm -hmm. And from then on, you know, from future assignments, various staff positions that would follow on throughout the years, you know, I always just ran my own race and did my best to take care of the people that I was in charge of to ensure that they had what they needed to do the mission. And so when I decided to retire, my husband was working as a civilian for the Army and they were relocating to Fort Knox, Kentucky. So we decided as a family that we didn't want to make any more moves. Had a young daughter at home in kindergarten at the time. And, you know, I had done a few deployments right before that and, you know, just Skyping with them and her holding me on the Skype, you know, listening to her little favorite shows, you know, it started to, you know, wear on me. And so, and then I felt it was time to retire. And so we decided to just stay here in Columbia and we stepped out on faith and decided to become entrepreneurs based on everything that we had learned over the years. Through our army careers. And you know, seven years later, here we are still growing and learning 
and enjoying every step of it. It's an amazing journey that you've had, especially the military piece of it, because I know you as civilian executive. I have such a hard time envisioning you in what I would consider stereotypical military behavior, military leadership. Having never been in the military, I am basing all of this just on stories and people that are in my life that have been in the military. So tell me what it's like to be a woman leader in the military. And is that a different experience, do you think, than the male leaders are having? Yes. Being a woman in the military, first of all, I put a lot of pressure on myself internally to make sure that I measured up and that I was carrying my own weight. And what I couldn't do physically, you know, running, you know, I made sure that I was doing 110% in those other areas technically. So definitely a lot of internal pressure as a woman in the military. The branch that I was in, of course, it was a lot of men. So, of course, everyone is trying to get that next leadership position. And so, you know, you had to do your best at all times and it can be very stressful at times. And I see that on the civilian side also, you know, the women uh, feel like they have to do, you know, more than the male counterparts just to get that seat at the table and be recognized for what they can bring. You talk a lot in your story about running. And as a non-runner myself, I get that. (laughs) They would have to come pick me up because I probably would just sit down. (laughs) So do you feel like you've taken maybe the literal running and turned it into a bit of a metaphor for how you lead and how you are working as a leader, as a company president, when you're working with clients? Are you setting the pace or are you letting them set the pace, especially when you're dealing with your clients? Oh, yes. That's a good question, Stacey. Now, with our clients, we listen to them. We have to listen to them. So I have to let them set the pace because you know, <laughs> I am there to solve their problems. So mm-hmm. I need to know what that problem is. And so if I don't listen to them, then I'll never know what they truly need. And they may not call us back again. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's true. Yes, but as far as, you know, running, I for me, I had to run my own race. I had to realize that I had to do me, basically. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be anybody but me. So if I tried to run someone else's race, I probably would fail. So I had to be true to myself and uh, <laughs> do what I could do. <laughs> that brings me very nicely to my next question. We've talked before and you've kind of described yourself as more introverted than people would expect from a president of a company, commander of people in these very high-level leadership positions. People think about leaders as having these big, loud personalities. So what skills do you feel that are being overlooked when introverts are leading? Thank you for that question. Definitely, I'm just going to go back a little bit. When I was in the military, I always was able to talk to the spouses, you know, and they related to me. And then when they found out that I was, you know, either in the army or may have been a commander at the time, they're like, but you're not loud. You don't act like, you know. The men do. And so I say, yep, that's true. (laughs) Then like to yell or argue and raise my voice. And, you know, kind of in the military, if you ever heard someone raising their voice, you know, the commanders and stuff, then, you know, you know, something was wrong. And I learned a long time ago that I could let you know how I feel without having to yell and scream at you. That was just out of character for me to actually, you know, be a yeller or screamer and just, you know, get in people's faces. 
I had to do administrative actions on soldiers, but there is a way to do that with dignity and respect, you know, and not belittle them. So definitely being labeled as quiet. And, you know, some of my soldiers actually used to call me the silent assassin (laughs) because, you know, I was quiet in nature. And so for being an introvert, I think one of our greatest skills that we bring to the table is that we're great listeners. We're more action instead of words. We consider what others have to say. And when quiet people speak, people listen because, you know, we've been sitting at the table just listening to everyone else. And so what we say is probably a reflection of what we've heard from everyone else around the table. So I think that's our greatest strength, that we're great listeners. Earlier, Linda, you mentioned your high school experience. You were involved in a lot of student government, leadership kinds of things. And I think a lot of young women are concerned that they are not extroverted enough to be considered a leader. And I think a lot of times young women in particular get labeled as being introverted or reserved or shy even, Mm -hmm. and that holds them back from pursuing leadership positions, whether it's in high school or even when they get into their professional careers. What advice would you give them? You know, I would tell those young ladies that they are uniquely and wonderfully made That, you know, their quiet nature is their superpower, that they don't have to yell to succeed, that they can be effective leaders. If they have the self-confidence and the purpose and direction, I think they can be awesome leaders. So, you know, being quiet, that quiet nature, that's your superpower. So use that. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those sneaky superpowers that people don't see coming because we're so conditioned to see outgoing as strong and quiet as meek or even weak in some instances. So I think that's an excellent way of putting it. My last question for you has to do with being a lifelong learner. One of the things that makes a great leader, whether in the military or in civilian life, is the willingness to continue to learn. So what are you learning right now? What are you working on now? That's a great question. I have been intentionally doing some personal development over these few months, taking a few classes on learning more about federal contracting. But I have also been intentional about finding my voice. That might sound kind of strange, you know, being that I was in the Army and, you know, leading groups and everything. And now I'm the president of the company. But, you know, when we first started the company, I kind of wore many hats. And my role was basically in the HR and bookkeeping side of it, among other things. It came to a point where we had to delegate some of that because it was getting more than we could handle. And so definitely as we continue to grow the business and learn, we bring on good team members who can, you know, help us move the business forward. But with finding my voice, you know, I got kind of laid back and I was comfortable just being a support system and just helping out where I'm needing and just doing, you know, like I said, my roles. But we do have a middle schooler here. And, you know, she's watching us and she's watching me. And I see that she has some of my qualities, some of my traits. And in middle school, that sixth grade was a little rough for her. You know, she was trying to find her way, you know, find her place and where she belongs. And she's trying to find her voice. And we actually was fortunate enough to get her into a voice camp for girls, you know, for teenagers. And she's been this is about she's on our fourth class, I believe. But it's a wonderful class and I'm listening in on it and I'm like, man, I should have gotten this when I was in middle school or, Mm -hmm. you know, it is powerful. I mean, everything that they're discussing is relevant for me also. It's like, let her know that her voice is powerful. She doesn't have to compete with other voices and that she can celebrate other girls' voices, not try to, you know, be mean or not be happy for them when they succeed or have, you know, something good happens to them. So 
I'm finding my voice again and putting myself in position where I have to maybe do interviews and, uh, <laughs> and these classes where I have to, you know, be on camera and participate, getting out of my comfort zone. So that's what I'm doing during this season, being intentional about finding my voice. Well, thank you for sharing your voice with us today. Before we say goodbye, I do want to give you the opportunity to share how people can contact Global Core Strategies and Consulting if they would like to talk some more about leading and being a stronger leader and perhaps finding their own voice. Yes. Thank you, Stacey. You can reach us at www.gcs.consulting or you can call us at 803-764-1554 and that's Global Core Strategies and Consulting. Thank you again. It was wonderful. Thank you, Linda. I'm so glad you joined us today. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember, diversity and inclusion should not be treated as a one-off initiative. And so with your help, we can get this message to more people. Subscribe, rate, and review the show and be a part of making a difference because it starts with you.